Hello everyone. It is Wednesday morning and that would be March 11th. Appreciate you joining us today and what we're going to cover is the summary of the section of Ecclesiastes we took a look at on March 4th last week. The section we covered was Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 1 through 7 and the subject what we took a look at is you could you could boil it down summarize it as this true worship. And as we take a look at it with that in mind, keep, keep, keep also in mind the section preceding this in Ecclesiastes, really a good chunk of chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4 um, could have been summarized by this, the statement of worship of wealth and accumulation. So following that with true worship, um, the worship of God. So I'm going to give you a moment just to take a look at and read um, carefully Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 1 through 7. If you'd like to push pause to do that, um, I'll give you just a second. Okay, hopefully you're back and you read Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7. First of all, we're going to take a look at the first three verses. And as we look to worship and look to the advice of the preacher here, what we will find is he says that the number one task of worship is to draw near for a purpose, and that is to listen, um, to draw near, to listen, and follow that by obedience. We'll get a little more into that obedience in the last part of verse 1. And... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 27. I'm not going to take the time to read that. If you would like to take a look at that, you can do so um, and, and come back to us. What we have here is in this task of worship, he's going to, he's going to do a compare contrast of coming near to listen with the sacrifice of fools. Um, I'm going to read for us verse 1 since we're going to deal with it here just a little bit. New American Standards, be reading from it, says this, Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they are doing, for they do not know they are doing evil. All right, so we have true worship as opposed to the worship uh, characterized by the sacrifice of fools. The very last part of verse 1, um, saying that they don't know that they are doing evil, um, the New English Bible puts that, they sin without a thought. Uh, that is a, that's a pretty good translation, and we need to come in thinking about this and contrasting true worship with the sacrifice of fools. Sacrifice of fools is basically this. It's performing rituals of worship with no intention to bring all of self before God in reverence and awe. Um, it is sacrifice... Instead of sacrifice followed by obedience, it's sacrifice without obedience. Now you can also look, I'll give you a moment to do so if you'd like, to look at 1 Samuel 15 verses 22 and 23 and read that. Okay, hopefully you took a look there at that passage of Scripture. And what is going on there is you have King Saul. Uh, basically, he, 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 <laughs> he did the opposite of what God told him to do. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, he went and he battled the Amalekites, and he was told to wipe them out utterly. He did not do so. He um, he brought back not only some of the spoil that he was told to destroy, um, he also um, brought back King Agag, the king of the of the Amalekites, alive. 
And this is this is a big problem because God had made a promise he was going to wipe the Amalekites out and destroy everything about them. Um, that is a prophecy that God made, a foretelling of what was going to take place um, all the way back in Exodus. Um, and Saul, because of his lack of obedience, um, nullified uh, the strength of that prophecy. So, Basically, King King Saul is confronted by the prophet Samuel, who also happened to be uh, Samuel considered King Saul kind of like a son to him. So this is a difficult thing for Samuel to do. But Samuel came, and as he was coming he to, to talk to him about the battle, God also definitely foretold Samuel what was going to take place. But as Samuel arrives, he hears the bleeding of, of bulls and, and goats. And, and he says to King Saul, he says, what does this I hear? You are supposed to wipe out everything. And King Saul says, first of all, that his men did not follow his orders, which is an excuse and a lie. And beyond that, he said that uh, he brought back uh, the choice of the spoil so that he could offer it and sacrifice to God. And the point that Samuel made was this, God takes much more He's pleased much more by obedience rather than sacrifice. So, what that amounts to is worship and obedience are tied together. That is something that's very important for us to remember. True worship, obedience and sacrifice, obedience and worship are closely tied. Uh, Verses 2 and 3, just that and that, you'll see that the problem is overproduction. Basically, um, in comes to worship, you have a wordy fool um, who just multiplies words and does not listen, um, does not draw near to listen. Uh, the other side of that is what has been covered so far in Ecclesiastes, a workaholic dreamer, um, meaning uh, someone who continues to work and work and work uh, to, to try to accomplish or try to accumulate something that he's not going to find. Um, both of these, uh, the problem is overproduction and there's nothing good that comes out of either one of these tasks. All right, so we're going to follow that in verses four through six with with vows and the role of uh, the role of vows in worship. Temple vows were a common part of Old Testament worship. Um, Leviticus twenty two eighteen through twenty three kind of speaks to this a little bit. Um, basically saying this, and our preacher agrees with him. If you make a vow, follow through. If you vow something to God, follow through with that vow. And now understand, Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 through 23, uh, they, they line up very well again with the preacher. It's okay not to make a vow. The preacher says it's, it's better to not vow at all than to vow and not follow through. And verse, verse 6 specifically says, if you made a vow and you're not going to repay that vow or pay that vow, do not try to talk your way out of it um, with, uh, with the priest at the temple, whoever it might be. Um, this will definitely anger God. Um, and speaking of angering God, the conclusion to true worship basically is this in verse 7. Um, fear God. Fear God in the end when it comes down to it. And this is kind of a preview to how Ecclesiastes itself is going to end. It says, For many dreams and many words there is emptiness. Rather than this, fear God. You see, God is is worthy. Sometimes we take that fear God and we put it in the context of just of, of respecting him. But he is worthy of, of far more than than respect. Um, God is 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 worthy of, of our fear. And it, 
the meaning of that is this. Any natural um, reaction to an epiphany, which is, an epiphany is basically a, um, or not an epiphany. I'm, I'm losing my words here just a little bit. I apologize. We talked about this on a Sunday morning just recently, and I don't have the text right in front, or have the, the sermon right in front of me. It's not epiphany. Um, what it amounts to is a theophany, and a theophany is an encounter with God. And um, a theophany always results in the same when on the human part is this fear, shock, awe, um, the awesomeness of God puts people on their faces. We just looked at that with the encounter of, of Moses with the burning bush just this past Sunday morning and how that encounter very quickly put Moses on his face on the ground because he realized it was God that he was speaking to. See, God, fearing God is more than respect. It is, it is us being in our place below his awesome power, his righteousness, his holiness. And the result of that is always um, humility, humbleness, um, on our part, shock, if you will, fear, um, a place of humility in his presence. So um, we'll get more into that before we end Ecclesiastes. Now, what I need to speak about a little bit is is going to, I don't want you, if, if you've been keeping up with these summaries, to, um, to misunderstand or think that you missed anything next week. We, because of time constraints in the semester in front of us, is drawing to a close um, and our class time is drawing to a close, we are going to skip um, chapter 5, verse 8, through chapter 6, verse 12. And it would be a good deal, maybe, for you to read that um, on your own. What it is, it's covering ground that we've, we've already covered in the pursuit of wealth. So I thought if we're going to miss something, that's a good one to miss. So tonight, on March 11th, what we are going to cover is chapter 7, verses 1 through 12, and look at something a little bit different. So if, if if you um, want to going to be able to join us tonight, um, take a look at chapter 7, 11 through 12. Um, if you want to overachieve a little bit, uh, then look at chapter 5, verse 8, verses 6, or through chapter 6. Um, that, would, that would be a good help to you. But tonight what we'll focus on is chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you can join us tonight um, in class. Um, class will be at 7 o'clock tonight, uh, March 11th. Have a good day. Thank you.